Chapter 20 of Frigid Fracas by Mac Reynolds. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dale Grothman. As Max had said, as one of their alternatives to the fracases of the Westworld, the Soves put on telly such duels as were fought amongst their supposedly honor conscious officer caste. Evidently, the lower caste of the proletarian paradise was well on the way to its own version of bread and circuses. In fact, Joe had already wondered what their version of Trank was. But though the telecameramen were highly evident, and for this inordinary affair had six cameras in all, placed strategically so that every phase of the fight could be recorded, they were not allowed to be so close as by any chance to interfere with the duel itself. Spaced well back from the action, they must needs depend upon zoom lenses. Joe Mauser and Sandoz Rakowski stood stripped to the waist, both in tight, non-restricting trousers, both wearing tennis shoes. General Armstrong and Lieutenant Anderson on one side, and Lieutenant Colonel Kosuth and Captain Pettifee on the other, stood at the sides of their principals. Kosuth was saying formally, it has been agreed then that the gentlemen participants shall be restricted to this ring measuring twenty feet across seconds will remain withdrawn to twenty feet beyond that the conflict shall begin upon general armstrong calling commence and shall end upon one or the other or both of the gentlemen participants falling to the ground minor wounds shall not halt the conflict this is understood yes joe said he had been sizing up his enemy the man stripped well he was almost a duplicate of joe's build perhaps slightly lighter slightly taller like joe he bore a dozen scars on his upper torso sandoz rakowski hadn't worked his way up to the top of the dueling world without taking his share of punishment rakowski said something curtly obviously affirmative in hungarian lieutenant anderson his open face drawn worriedly, tendered Joe his bowie knife. Captain Petoffi offered Rakotsky his. The two men stepped into the arena, which had been floored with sand, its dimensions marked with blue chalk. Though nothing had been said, it was obvious that if a combatant stepped over this line, he would have lost face. They stood at opposite sides of the arena, both with arms loosely at their sides both holding their fighting knives in their right hands general armstrong said his voice tight with worry ready captain rakowski the hungarian used his affirmative word again ready major mauser ready joe said he felt like adding ready as i'm ever going to be he was feeling qualms now he'd been too long in the game not to recognize a superlative opponent when he saw one the four seconds drew back their twenty feet and joined the two doctors and half a dozen hospital assistants who were there. Further back still, Joe knew, were the emergency facilities. Two men, by contemporary usage, were going to be allowed to butcher each other, but moments after, all the facilities of modern medical science were going to be at their disposal. Joe felt a wry twinge of humor at the incongruity of it. General Armstrong called commence joe spread his legs grasped the knife so that his thumb was along the side of the blade and held approximately waist high he shuffled forward slowly 
feeling the consistency of the sand. There must be no slipping. The Sove officer had assumed the stance of a swordsman. His smile was fox-like. For the first time, Joe noticed the scar along the other's cheek. It was white now, which brought it into prominence. Yes, Sandoz Rakowski, in his time, had copped one more than once. At least the man wasn't infallible. As they came cautiously toward each other, the Hungarian grinned, fox fashion, and said in his heavily accented Anglo-American, Ah, our bad man from the West! You thought to choose a weapon unknown to Rakowski, eh? But perhaps you've never heard of the Italian short-sword, eh? Did you think this clumsy weapon is so different from the Italian short-sword, eh? Joe had never heard of the Italian short-sword, though it came back to him that some of the phony fracas films he had seen back home had depicted medieval duelists fighting with two swords, one long, one short. Obviously, his Sove opponent was thoroughly familiar with the usage. Joe swore inwardly. They circled warily, watching for an opening, sizing up the other. Each knew that once action was joined, events would most likely progress quickly. The bowie knife is not built for finesse. In a flash, Sandoz Rakowski darted in. His blade flicked. He leapt back, instantly on guard again. There was a streak of red down Joe's arm. He blinked. Somebody, General Armstrong, or was it Max, had said there was something freakish about this Hungarian. His reflexes were unbelievably fast. Now Joe could believe it. He attempted a slashing blow himself, and the other danced away so quickly that Joe had not come within feet of his opponent. Rakowski laughed insinuatingly. Oaf, he said. Is that the word? Clumsy, awkward, stumbling, oaf. It is well to rid the world of such, eh? He was a talker. Joe had met the type before, especially in hand-to-hand -hand combat. They talked, usually insultingly, sometimes bringing up such matters as your legitimacy or the virtue of your wife or sister, or your own supposed perversions. They talked, and by so doing hoped to enrage you, provoke you into foolish attack. Joe was untouched by such tactics. He circled again, his mind moving quickly. He had, he realized, no advantages on his side. He was neither stronger nor faster than the other, and he had no reason to believe that he had greater stamina. If anything, it might be the other way. Rakowski was in again, through Joe's guard, darting his blade as though it were a foil. A cut opened magically on Joe's chest from the left nipple to the navel, and bled profusely. The Soviet duelist was back a good six feet, and laughing openly. Joe had had insufficient time even to move one foot in retreat at the other's offensive. Joe Mauser wet his lips. The tick at the side of his mouth was in full evidence. Rakowski jeered. Ah, my bad man from the West who throws wine in the face of gentlemen. You grow afraid, eh? Your mouth twitches? You feel in your stomach the fear of death, eh? No longer do you worry about locating the Sov world underground and helping to overthrow the party, eh? Now you worry about death. Joe tried to rush him, plowing through the sand but the Hungarian danced back, still jeering. He obviously knew the feel of sand beneath foot, as Joe did not. 
Joe had no time to wonder over Armstrong and Anderson agreeing to a sand-deep arena. They had messed up on that one. For Joe, it was like trying to operate on a sandy beach, but Rakowski seemed in his element. Even as Joe's attack slowed in frustration, the other darted in, slashed once, twice, scoring on Joe's left arm, once, twice. He was beginning to resemble a bloody mess. None of the wounds were overly deep, but combined they were costing him blood. He got the feeling that the Hungarian could finish him off at will, that Rakowski had his number, that it was no longer a matter of the other being careful not to underestimate the foe. Joe had been correctly estimated and found wanting. He realized that by sinking to the sand, he could throw the fight. The duel ended upon one combatant or the other falling to the sand. And then he could see the other's expression. There was no throwing in of the towel for Joe Mauser. At the first sign of such a move, the other would dart in, cobra-like, and deal the finishing blow, the death blow. Rakowski was fully capable of such speed. The man was a phenomenon, metabolically speaking. Joe, his heels almost to the chalk line of the arena boundary, dashed suddenly forward again. His opponent jeered as before, darted backward with such speed even through the sand as to be unbelievable. Joe Mauser grinned wolfishly. He tossed the bowie knife suddenly into the air. It turned in a spin to come down blade in his hand. He stepped forward with his left foot, through with full might. The bowie knife, balanced to turn once completely in thirty feet, blurred through the air and buried itself in the Hungarian's abdomen up to the hilt. The Sov officer grunted in agony, staring down at the protruding hilt unbelievingly. His eyes came up in hate, glaring at Joe who stood there across from him, hands now extended forward in the stance of a karate fighter. Joe could follow the other's agonized thoughts in his expression. There were medics available, and though the wound was a decisive one, it need not be fatal, not in this day of surgery and antibiotics. No, not fatal, the Sov officer decided. He glared at Joe again, his teeth grinding in his pain and shock. To move across the ring at the American would be disastrous, stirring the heavy bowie knife in his intestines. Rakowski knew he had only split seconds. Then he must sink to the sand so that aid might come. But perhaps split seconds would be sufficient. He reversed his own knife in hand, preparatory to throwing. Joe watched him. The other's face was a mask of pure agony, but he was no quitter. He was going to make his own throw. It came blurringly fast, too fast to avoid. The heavy frontier knife turned over half in the air and struck Joe along the side, glancing off, ineffectively. Sandoz Rakowski fell to the sand, and the medics came on the run, both toward him and to Joe. And then the fog began to roll in on Joe Mauser. He noted, as though distantly, that the medical assistance that General Armstrong had provided from the Westworld Embassy was headed by Dr. Nadine Hare who seemed to be crying, which was uncalled for in a doctor with a patient, after all. End of chapter 20 of Frigid Fracas by Mac Reynolds Recording by Dale Grothman